You're listening to the 12 Days of Crusademus 2022, brought to you by the Longbox Crusade. uncles unclean hello and welcome to the ninth day of the 12 days of crusade miss 2022 brought to you by the long box crusade the 12 days of crusade miss is of course our gift to the podcasting community to celebrate the holiday season we are celebrating this joyous season by sharing with you some comic book titles that may have gotten by you in the past each day of the 12 days of crusade miss we will bring you a hidden gem of a comic book series brought to you by either one of our holly jolly co-hosts or one of our podcast celebrity guests until we get all the way to december 25th christmas day and we are down to holly jolly co-hosts it's just the four of us here tonight wink might be a curveball in this episode who knows let's wait and find out we got rid of all the guests that were bringing comics and just us here at lbc headquarters we've got the lights down low the room is lit by the tree in the fireplace you can smell the glue vine jason's been making glue vine all day and pat's been baking sugar cookies mm. yeah yeah delvin uh he's been making handmade chocolates uh right there in the kitchen smells terrific and our other guests make, I guess, scones or I don't know what they make over there. But we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that guy. We'll get to that guy in a second. I hope I spotted. <laughs> we haven't used that joke in forever. It's back, Pat. <laughs> the bits, you know, it's a cycle of bits. You know, they just keep returning and returning. But let me officially introduce the Longbox team. But before I do, I don't want to let you guys down. I brought a Christmas joke again. So here is your Christmas joke for this episode. All right, so you got the Jones family Christmas tree, and across the street is the Smith family Christmas tree. And the Jones tree says the Smith tree. He's like, isn't this a wonderful time of the year, man? Smith tree goes, man, I don't know what you're so excited about. Jones tree says, man, I mean, they put all this decoration on us. We're the center of attention. Kids love us. Smith tree's like, man, yeah, we're the center of attention for like a few weeks. And the next thing you know, we're thrown out on the side of the road. Jones tree goes, come on, man, lighten up. Is there more to this? No, that's the joke. Because oh. they're Christmas trees. You gotta lighten up. <laughs> Let me introduce our co-host for this episode. <laughs> Joining me are the three delicious smelling gingerbread men that you know and love. And we will start with uh, Delvin, the Darkwood Williams. Welcome to Day 9 of Crusaders. Thank you for having me, Jerry. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, bud. And I'm going to go ahead and continue uh, with my poem uh, called uh, The 12 Days of Crusaders. I don't know if you know this. I've been doing it each of uh, the past eight days. Yeah, go on. <laughs> let's hear it, Delvin. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> oh, wait. No one's, no one's going to stop me and say this. This is Pat. Pat Smith. This, this was an essential part of the joke. <laughs> no, I want to see how prepared you were, how far you were willing to take How committed you are to this joke. <laughs> I was not committed at all. I never was... There was zero committal. Someone was, someone was supposed to say, wait, isn't that Pat's thing? And then I was going to be like, man, I guess I took too much of a hit off that corn cob pipe, hey? And then, like, you guys would have chuckled. 
That's all right. Hey, my to- joke didn't work either. <laughs> We're over two. Over two, man. Over two. Speaking of Pat, welcome back, founder of the network. Welcome to your own studios, DJ Chris Kringle Christados. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. It's the ninth day. I'm so excited. I'm as Jarrett Munson. The lights are a little bit low here. It's time to get the LBC headquarters into L box mode. You guys know what I mean, huh? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Nice and cuddly by the fire. I'll crank it up a little bit more, turn the lights down low. And hey, you know what? As Delvin mentioned, I think we'll get on to uh, continue with the 12 days of Crusademus that I have going on here. Go ahead, sir. We're getting a little bit closer. We're getting done. I mean, okay, if it's yours to do. (laughs) I've been doing it the last eight episodes, Delvin. Where have you been? (laughs) Playing homescapes. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Everybody get cozy by the fireplace and let's go ahead and get a few more verses in the 12 days of crusade mess. Here we go. St. Christados was dressed in all fur from his head to his foot and his clothes were all tarnished with pipe ashes and soot. A bundle of bits and some sky strikers too. He had flung on his back and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. Oh, ever closer, ever closer to the big day. Yes. Tune in for the finishing of that, everybody. Just in time for his internet to go full, Max Headroom. Let's pass it to my my brother, Jason, the Christmas weasel. Welcome back, I think. Jason, are you there? Broadcasting live from the North Pole. I asked Jane not to show up today. Because everybody in the neighborhood is streaming Christmas movies right now. My connection sucks the sweat off a dead man's <laughs> I'll edit that out later. <laughs> Merry Christmas. And I got Mary Jane for our Christmas yet to be introduced, but I'll just say it right now. What was it before you changed it? Well, <laughs> all right. We got that out of the way. So he's waited so patiently through this enormous mound of bull. Alan Porter is joining us for the first time ever. We're going to have a special guest on just the one of the last four days of Crusademus. So uh, we brought Alan on here because there's just no way we can talk about this comic without bringing Alan's opinion into it. So welcome back to our festively decorated Longbox Crusade Studios, Alan. Merry Christmas, guys, and thank you for letting me join your seasonable celebrations once again, even though you didn't ask me to pick a comic this year. That's right. It's very (laughs) weird. We've never done this before. This is the first time, like, we have guests on, as you probably listened to, for the first eight days, and then it's just the four of us for the last four. We've never really had a guest, but, man, with all that we've been talking about over on the On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast Network, we've done a couple episodes working our way through the Man From Uncle TV series. Alan's huge fan, the biggest fan of Man From Uncle, I know, so you guys heard me sing The comic kind of picked him, you would say. (laughs) Yeah, it really did. So I was like, when I ran into Alan at Dragon Con, I was like, would you be interested in doing this weird thing where you just kind of come in and give you two cents? Because Alan also, correct me if I'm wrong, Alan, but I believe you've read every Man From Uncle comic book, period. I've read every American Man From Uncle comic book and probably 70% of the British ones. I'm still hunting down the few that I haven't read. So if he's done 70% of the British ones, that's... You know what? Let's move on. I don't, I'm not doing that. <laughs> is, that, is that a European percentage or American? Yeah, that's a European 70%. Yeah. 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 It has three decimal places instead of two. Just oh, gosh. I, we're definitely out. We are definitely <laughs> out for that. So, yeah, gift wrapped in the stocking I brought for me, as you heard in the singing intro today, is Nine Uncles Uncling, which means we're unwrapping. The Man from Uncle, The Birds of Prey Affair, number one from Millennium Publications in 1993. 
here is a brief history on the series and the creators. And I'm going to kind of go down the list of creators. The writer is Mark Ellis, and he's the founder of Millennium, which launched the careers of some pretty big names to include Mike Waringo, Daryl Banks. I was fortunate enough to meet Daryl at the last Dragon Con, and he drew a really sweet Jaws from James Bond for me. That was the highlight of the con, and what a nice guy. Back to Mark Ellis. By the mid-90s, he was writing some of the Mac Bolan novels, one of the longest-running novel series ever. And then he created the Outlanders series of novels, one of the most successful mass-market paperback novel series of the last 35 years. So as we'll learn and talk about, well, heck, I'll bring it up now, Millennium Comics didn't last long. But don't feel bad for Mark Ellis, who founded it, because his Outlanders series of novels, cash freaking cow for the rest of his life. So he's doing Okay, let's move on to the penciler, which is Nick Choles or Choles. Not sure how he pronounces it. He also had a very broad comic book career, worked in Marvel, DC, just kind of bounced all around the place. And now he mainly does concept art for video game design. So that's what he's up to these days. Inks is by Don Hillsman. He's also worked all across comics and uh, he shared a really touching Heroes Initiative story. He's one of these kind of guys who kind of fell through the cracks because, as you know, comic creators don't get medical benefits or things like that. And he told a really touching story about how he fell out of comics, hard times, attempted multiple suicides, and the good people at Heroes Initiative brought him back from that edge and he's much happier now. So it was a really cool story. I'm not telling tales out of school. You can go read his story on the Heroes Initiative website. So that's that's uh, something to consider if you've got a little extra holiday bucks and you want to give to a good cause. Think about the Heroes Initiative. Colors are by Marcus Rowley. Don't have anything on that guy. Letters are by M. Anthony Delapine. Don't have anything on that guy. The covers. Guys, we got to talk about the covers. The covers are by Joe Phillips. These are amazing covers. They are painted. They're movie quality. I want you to think Alex Ross. I want you to think Drew Struzan. That kind of quality of covers. They are really cool. And finally, as I mentioned before, Millennium didn't last too long. There's just two issues in this series. Part one of this, part two. At the end of part two, they did tease a sequel called The End of the World Affair, but it never materialized. But once again, don't feel bad for Mark Ellis because his novel career really took off. Some of the main reasons I love this book are you've got to start with those covers. They are so amazing. And thanks to Honor Majesty's Secret Podcast, I learned about the amazing, fun, and exciting world of The Man from Uncle. And as I read through these comics that I picked up recently at a convention in a dollar box, I just really felt like these comics captured that Man from Uncle feel. Okay, guys, with that all out of the way, have any of you read any Man from Uncle comics before? Alan, we know you have. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, so let me ask a more pointed question to you, and then we'll let the other guys ask if they've read Man from Uncle Quick comics before. Now, you've probably read The Birds of Prey affair before. Yep. Do you remember when that was? Did you pick this up off the shelf, something you found later on? Uh, no, we got it as part of the background research we're doing for the still slowly progressing Man from Uncle lexicon that Jill and I are working on. And we've been slowly collecting all the comic books. So I'm not quite sure when I read it, but it was quite a while ago. And I reread it a couple of hours ago before we got on here. And I was surprised how, that I actually haven't remembered that much about it. So it was almost like a fresh read. Okay, very cool. Very cool. I think there's a tip in there, by the way. Fellas, anybody listen to this? If you want your wife to allow you to buy insane numbers of comics, tell her you're writing a book about them. <laughs> and tell her you'll put her name on the cover. There you go. Make her a part of it. Even better. It's all come together. All right. Let me pass this around the horn. Anybody else read Any Man from Uncle Comics, Delvin, The Dark Web, Pop Pop, His Hot Thing, uh, Felix Slider, Silver Hands, Coffee Black. I think I'm out. Pimp Destro. 
Ah, Pimp Destro. <laughs> what about you, buddy? Have you read any Man From U.N.C.L.E. comics before in your life? No, I have not read any uh, Man From U.N.C.L.E. Uh, comics. Uh, I checked out a magazine one time called Girl From Auntie, but I'd rather not talk about it. Ah, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, going around the horn to Pat Sampson, DJ Chris Kringle, Chris Statos. Man From U.N.C.L.E. comics? No, I haven't read any Man From U.N.C.L.E. comics before, but while staying at Delvin's house, I did check out that other book that he mentioned. Mm. <laughs> move on, Jason. Jason All right. <laughs> we'll move on, Jason. Looks like he's got a good connection. Let's see what's up, Jason. Man From U.N.C.L.E. comics. Yes, you actually found one for me at uh, Heroes Con a couple years ago and uh, gave it to me. You may not remember. I, I clearly forgot. Was it from this yep. series or was it an older one? No, it was. I can't remember who the publishing company was. I remember it was black and white and it was uh, pretty good. So I read one about two years ago that you found for me in a dollar box oh. or less than a dollar box, knowing you probably a quarter box. Probably a quarter box. Yeah. <laughs> if you say box, if you were in a good mood. <laughs> Hooray for me, everybody. Hooray for me. All right. Let me do a quick summary of this particular issue. Again, it only went two issues. So if you're at all tantalized by this, listeners or guys here on the crew, just go ahead and get the second one and round out the story. It's pretty good. But I'm going to summarize just issue one. And here we Before go. Before you do, can, can I ask a question? Of course. When you're done with that uh, uh, Girl from Auntie magazine, can you send it to me, Pat? <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> No problem. Do you want the annual too with the other <laughs> subscription, Delvin Scott? Look, look, it was not. It's not pronounced annual. And Jared should just go ahead. You know I want You know me, Delvin. I can't read. Oh, you I know I want I'm, the annual edition. I'm gonna have to move on. <laughs> I am so utterly proud and ashamed of this show. I am proud and ashamed of you. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> All right, for reals, I'm going to summarize this issue. In a pretty clever homage to the very first Man From U.N.C.L.E. TV episode, U.N.C.L.E. headquarters is invaded by what looks like toy robots and their human owners. But there's a lot more going on here. The small robots and the humans are somehow connected. Napoleon, who is a little excited to have villains to fight again, and Ilya investigate. And their inquiries lead them to what seems to be an old enemy, Dr. Debris. And she's definitely bridging the gap between man and machine in all the most nefarious ways. She also lays a pretty good trap for our heroes, which leaves us with quite the cliffhanger. So, what did you guys think about the issue? We will go reverse order this time. Jason, what did you think of this issue? I really enjoyed it. I particularly liked how the opening really reminded me of the opening of the series. I had that connection right away. It was good to see both Napoleon and Ilya there and defending the headquarters. That was really cool. Having the chief there was also very exciting to see him. And I thought all the characters really resonated. We've just kind of started getting into the Man From U.N.C.L.E. television show, so I'm not as steeped in it as Alan by any stretch of the imagination. But it really kind of struck a chord with me. Like, they got the characters right in this first issue. So, you know, left us at a cliffhanger. Some great humor in there as Napoleon is just so eager to get out of teaching that class on how to fill, fill out those forms. <laughs> so it just had all, all the right chords and left me wanting to read issue two. 
Yeah, I have to agree with you on that opening. I, I swear I could hear the theme song start to play after, after that. I, I That was really cool. Anyway, Pat, your thoughts on that opening or anything else, my friend? Well, let's go to the cover real quick. And you mentioned that oh, just yes. the, the painted artwork on that cover alone. Oh, man. Reminds me of the old 80s, 70s movie posters that were always painted like that. When I look at it, I'm like, oh, I can see, you know, an Indiana Jones poster in this. and just makes me want to open it up and start to read it. As Jason mentioned that opening the minute they got through i'm like oh yeah it's the opening they're gonna go into the the shop and you know i thought they were agents but what was going on then once it changed and i'm like wait a minute i've kind of seen this before and then all of a sudden you get to the point where you see them standing like oh yeah there it is it's that bulletproof glass or whatever Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was like oh yeah it's go time now and it was fun opening it just brought you back to watching the show uh, as you mentioned before all the other characters that showed up that we're, we kind of starting to get used to knowing i liked as well too the story was intriguing and they didn't really say when this took place but it seems like this is later on yeah they kind like of the, implied that the, the uncle team isn't really being used much anymore you know okay kind of okay yeah, without giving too much away, there's a line in the second issue that places it more specifically. Okay. Oh, because I went back to, and I'm like, did they give a time frame on this? No, they didn't. And it kept me wondering, because they kept talking about, oh, we're a little out of step, or we haven't been in the field in a while. And just to see them kind of get their groove back, it was kind of fun and interesting to see. And the rest of it, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it all plays out. Awesome, awesome. I'm glad you mentioned the cover, too. I want to take a quick moment before I pass it to Delvin. You know, here on Crusamus, we bring one issue to talk about. And so we see this really nice headshot of Robert Vaughn as sort of an action shot of Ilya. And then in issue two, they swap that out. You get a great headshot of Ilya and an action shot of Robert. It's really well balanced. Joe Phillips did just an amazing... I'll talk about these covers all night. I better keep moving this around. Delvin, tell me how much you love the covers, and then we'll just move right on down. The cover was great. It's lovely. And for some, whatever reason, we had, was it you who brought Quantum Leap for Last yes. Crusademus? Yes. And do you remember who the publisher was for Quantum Leap? I think it was Innovative Comics. It's just interesting, right? Like, it feels like there's some sort of grand moral of the story that is told that these companies go all out to get a cherished title of theirs or TV show that they love and it never seems to last. Either they'll get like maybe a hot writer but can't really find a great creative team behind it or they can't get it out to enough stores so they spend a ton of money on that first issue and like barely anyone bought it and it it didn't make its way into the local comic book stores and so it just fizzled out quickly because they were out of money. I don't know. I I have no idea. It seems like a cautionary tale, but it's like, what are you going to tell people? Like, don't try to print a book from a title that you love if you have the opportunity to get it. I mean, you kind of have to go for it. And like Pat and Jason mentioned, I like the beats of the the issue. I have not met Ilya yet in The Man From U.N.C.L.E. As of this recording, we have talked about two episodes of the Man From U.N.C.L.E. TV series from season one. And I really do like Robert Vaughn playing Napoleon Solo. And I could definitely picture Napoleon Solo in this book. I could picture, you know, how he sounded, you know, that charm that he has. And it was kind of cool getting to know Ilya too, who clearly is very, very smart and capable 
And it was definitely interesting to see them from a perspective of just being a little bit out of touch as far as that tactical side of being in the field. That was interesting, too. And it certainly was interesting to see that the premise of this was that Uncle Headquarters was broken into rather violently. And then there's this whole concept about transhumans that they introduced that was they're like, well, you know, it's better living through science. We don't necessarily have an issue with it, but the way it's being executed just does not seem to be right. So there were some scientific implications in there too. And then all of this was just based off of what seemed to be a decades old grudge. So there's a lot of good things. And it was kind of reminiscent of uh, uh, two episodes of Uncle that I that we've seen so far. Uh, it was start off maybe slightly slow, a little bit exposition heavy. And then... It just, as soon as like that main story hit and the action came in, it's like, wow, intriguing story. So I feel like I went on a lot, but I just, I do have a lot of good things to say. Couch with is just tragic that it just seems like books like these are doomed to fail for whatever reason. And it can't be yeah. because of the popularity of the series because the Man of Man from Uncle was well-received. I think the movies were, were well-received. So why wouldn't the comic book be well-received? Well, I guess Marvel or DC has to do it. You're right. Good connection between this and Quantum Leap and how we see it time after time. You know, like you said, if it's outside of Marvel or DC and it's a third party property, don't fall in love with it. (laughs) Basically, you know, yeah, I think we got 12 or 13 issues of that Quantum Leap. And anyway, Alan. Your thoughts on either the story or sort of that broader concept of, of properties and comics and how that works? I'll sort of pick up on Delvis just to give you a bit of background. This is actually the third Man from Uncle comic book series in the US. So the original one was with Gold Key when the show was out and that ran for 20 issues. And then there was a series in the, I think it was the 80s by Entertainment Comics. And that, I think, which is the black and white one, Jason, that you said you've got. I think that ran for 11 issues. And then this is 93. Um, and then there was nothing after this. I mean, this was the last, this is the last Man from Uncle comic that was ever done. And I think you're right. I think 93, I think by 93, most people weren't really aware of the series. I think it was a fans, the small niche fans. It wasn't a general market thing. I will say in the early 2000s, around 2010, I was actually involved. Uh, the publisher I was working with at the time, who we did the James Bond history uh, comics book with, they approached the license holders about doing a Man from Uncle comic, and I pitched a few stories for that. And just the terms of the licensing were insane; that it was just not a viable project to, to go forward with. Now, I don't need you to tell tales about school. No, no, I'm not going when to. When you say but... terms of licensing, are we talking financials or like creative? Uh, it, was combination of, it was financial. It was combination of financials, but the biggest stumbling block was what the license holders wanted in terms of owning the IP of the stories. I see, which is a shame because it would have been really fun to do. But for this story, if you don't know much about Uncle, there's enough here, I think, to get you in and intrigued and know about it. But if you do know Uncle, there are so many really deep cuts in this. Mark Ellis really knows his Uncle history. I had a feeling that there was deep cuts. <laughs> it's like almost every page, he's like, oh, there's a reference to this, there's a reference to that. I mean, the thing with the with the robots, there is a story, without giving too much away, because we'll get to it at some point. But there is an episode that actually starts off with a guy out the front selling mechanical wind-up toy robots. Oh, um, cool. And they've taken that. And, but even down to... I 
don't know if you noticed it, but when they walk in, throwing the coat over the TV screen, which was right out of the first episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you said, the, the, the lead-in, which is almost identical to the Vulcan affair, but instead of it just being Napoleon Solo behind the screen, you got both of them. I thought that was very, very cool. Um, you're right. Dr. Debris is from the TV show. She's actually from the last episode of the first season. And the figure that you see on the computer screen, Egret, she's right. actually a character from the show too. And there's also references to some of the novels, the way that they talk about Thrush as being the, the hierarchy. That's what the older Thrush agents, the original Thrush agents termed it, and that comes right out of the novels. So there, there's a lot of really deep cuts in here if you, if you know you're, you're a man from Uncle History or, or you're geeky like me. I enjoyed the story. I thought it was a great story. It was a great updating of the that really powerful opening from the first episode. I like the we're moving beyond androids and cybernetics and stuff, the whole genetic engineering side of it was really fascinating i also enjoyed it like i said i sort of did a second read through doing the geeky mapping all the call outs that were in it so uh, yeah really enjoyed it so thank you for bringing this back to my attention because like i say it's sat in a comic box since i last read it which must be i don't know six seven years ago i think now it was almost like a completely fresh read today um really enjoyed it i also want to give a, a shout out to the layouts the layouts reminded me very much of sort of a neil adams style of storytelling yes, as well yes. so the, the production values on this are great i don't know whether to delvin's point was they they sank so much money into the high quality of these two issues that they just couldn't do the follow-up which is a real shame because particularly compared to the uh, the black and white run these are so much better quality awesome i'm glad you brought those inside i'm glad we invited you out <laughs> Well, that's some cool, cool insights. Uh, that's the whole reason we we brought Alan in for this uh, for this episode. If anybody out there listening knows where the heck the originals are for these cover arts, let me know. I'd probably spend a ridiculous amount of money on these to put in my art collection. These are so fantastic. Anyways, it is now time to rate your interest in the series, and don't get too interested because there's only one more. <laughs> <laughs> one more issue but hey let's let's do some candy canes uh, ratings so we're going to use the official crusade miss candy cane scale on a scale of one to 12 candy canes 12 being extremely interested and one being no interest at all how many candy canes would you rate your interest in this series <laughs> our script says in pursuing more issues of this title and pursuing the second and final issue of this title <laughs> jason all right, humor, three candy canes. I uh, laughed out loud in a couple places. I really like the repartee between Ilya and Napoleon. I hope it's like that in the show. I suspect it probably is. Heart, three. It's made from Uncle, so it's getting all three for Heart. Spectacle, I'm going to give that one a two. I think it was, like Delvin said, a little exposition heavy in there, but enough excitement to keep me flipping the pages. And Art, we've talked about it, three. I mean, between that cover and the layouts that, that Alan mentioned, just utter perfection. So that gives me a total of 11. And of course, because you brought such enthusiasm to it and I've only got one more issue to read and found it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> So that'll bring me to 11 candy canes. I'll take the 11 candy canes. That's a, uh, that's awesome. All right, let's go to Delvin. 10, 10 sounds like a good number for our uh, man from uncle. I was entertained. That was a cliffhanger. That's why I'm like, hmm, how are you going to get out of that? Oh, no. <laughs> Couldn't think of anything. She was like, this is all the toxic waste in every radioactive chemical ever. So technically her spilling it, they're already dead. So I'm like, <laughs> interesting. It was an intriguing cliffhanger. Good story. Wasn't crazy about the art, but I could ignore the art because everything else in it was very, very, very good. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, Pat, take a tea for candy canes. 
I'm going to be with Delvin on this one at a 10. It was enjoyable. The cover art, fantastic. The inside art, it was doable and it looked, everything looked nice. And as Alan mentioned, the uh, the pacing in it, or at least the the layouts made you read through it at a good pace that I felt that I was really kind of watching this as a show because it's only got one more issue to go. You know, of course, if I can find this somewhere, I'm going to get it so I can finish the story to see what happens and how it all kind of comes to an end, or at least how, the, how, how are those guys going to escape that molten lava <laughs> or whatever that is? It's just all over them. It's very Flash Gordon serial, right? Like, yeah. How the yeah. heck? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, are they going to get out of this one? What's going to happen here? And now, funny story on the first panel of issue two, they die. And then the rest of it's just their funeral and the wake. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we got 10, 10, and 11. And I just realized, sorry, I just realized I did my math wrong because to give you the bonus, it's 12, 12 candy canes. Is well, we ain't, we ain't gonna say no to that. I noticed the math was a little off, but I was like, I don't know, did he want to land on 11? It's 12. All right, the full Monty, if you will. So 12, 10, 10. Alan, you get to do a first ever in Crusade Miss History, a candy cane rating out of the blue as a guest, <laughs> guest just here at, here All at right. the show. So I'm going with Napoleon's batch number. Oh, oh, I wanted to know what those were. I didn't know what those were. That's Napoleon's batch number. He's 11? Uh, yeah. Oh, my and God. I thought it meant the next issue was coming out February 11th. <laughs> and that's <Ilya's> batch number. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Awesome. So Alan's giving it 11. Can- on the, what he's referring to, folks, on the back cover is what back I cover of know. issue two. Yes. <laughs> What I now know is, uh, yeah, of issue two, their yeah. badge number. I didn't know that was their badge numbers. I, I was just like, clearly that's something I don't get. <laughs> but uh, awesome. Yeah, I, 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 I think on a on a, just a general read through, I would have given it probably a nine or a ten. But like I say, there's so many deep cuts in there that I was just geeking out over. I it bumped it up to eleven. So excellent. Excellent. Sounds like everybody really enjoyed this one. Makes my heart nice and warm, just like it's sitting by the fireplace. Kind of makes up for that Christmas joke I told at the front. Kind of. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Let me give one last recommendation for this quote-unquote series. Again, it's two issues, but they're definitely well worth your time to check out if you love The Man from Uncle. It is a solid, well-paced story that clearly loves its roots, as Alan has told us about all these deep cuts, and I could feel that. Like, I could feel there was cuts in there that I was probably missing. And that's a sign of a good writer who's who's like, hey, I, I think something's going on here. And and it really played to Alan. So that that's awesome. Couple that with some solid art and some truly amazing covers. I don't know if I've mentioned the covers on this episode, but if I haven't, they're really, really cool. And with that, guys, that's going to wrap up the ninth day of the 12 Days of Crusade Miss. We'd love to hear from you. If you're familiar with any of the comics that we cover here on the show, or if you want to give one of our recommendations a try, let us know what you think about it. Try these Man from Uncle comics. They're they're not expensive. There's only two of them. If this has tantalized you at all, check them out. It's not really a big time demand either, as Delvin would say. And you can tell us about it a couple different ways. You can hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. It is all at Longbox Crusade. You can email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. Or, of course, you can leave us a voicemail, 707-532-5269. That is 707-532-LBOX. 
nice. <laughs> you can call that number to tell us what you think of Man from Uncle. You can let us know what you think about Crusadeness this year. You can call us and wish us a holly jolly Christmas if you want to, whatever you want to do. And if you're loving Crusadeness and didn't get a chance to listen last year, or you just want to hear more Crusadeness, if you scroll far enough back in our long box feed, you will find episodes of Crusadeness Pass from 2021. 2020, 2019, 2018, and even 2017. We've been doing this for a long time, guys. (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to come back tomorrow to find out what the next gift is from under the tree here at the festively decorated Longbox Crusade Studios. I hope everyone's having a happy, healthy holiday season. And until next time, DJ Cristados, play me a sweet, sweet Christmas jam. Wickedy, 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 whack. clips and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended we are just fans that like to share our love of comics outtakes nine uncles unclean which sounds a little creepy and his clothes were all tarnished with pipe ashes and shoot shoot i don't know shoot right. soot soot yeah <laughs> let me do that again